Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're continuing our study here in Ephesians. As you're turning there, um, <clears throat> a part of the video that we missed on the North American Mission Board video, um, James said about his wife Natasha, she, would, she made it clear that as the Lord was leading them, she said, I would much rather go to Uganda, Africa, than Brooklyn, New York. She made that clear, and the Lord sent them to Brooklyn, New York. So uh, let's pray. Um, let's pray for the Robertson family. God, we thank you for James and Natasha Robertson and their family that's serving you faithfully there in Brooklyn, and for the opportunities they get to um, to speak about um, what love looks like according to your word and what your desire for our lives are, God. So, God, is their meeting um, this week? Would you continue to use them for your glory and for your kingdom? And as other churches are meeting, and I'm thinking about a couple in our community that are meeting this morning and desiring to worship you, God, would you use them for your glory? God, would you speak to congregations like First Tatum and Trinity Baptist here in town and Hillcrest as they're meeting to worship you and study your word? God, would you use the one that you've chosen to Declare your word. God, would you use them in a faithful way that they may hear your promises, they may hear your truth and respond to that. God, this morning as we study your word, like Lee has already prayed and we've already talked about, God, but would you would you speak to us, help us to see that it is your word and that we can live by it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 is a fun chapter. Uh, last week we talked about submission. Uh, we talked about at the end of chapter 5 there about wives submitting to husbands and husbands loving wives like Christ has loved the church or is loving the church. And what a fun topic to talk about, submission. I mean, all week I just kept reminding Mandy, if you missed the sermon, Mandy, you can always get online and listen to it. If you need to be reminded of that, you know, I'm only kidding. But uh, what a fun topic this morning to talk about because I, because as a father who has kids, I get to talk about the importance of kids obeying their parents. You know, how, how great is that? What a message. I mean, if there's any message to preach, it would be us telling kids and pointing our fingers like at Reese and Ryan this morning saying, you boys better, you better obey everything I tell you to obey. All right, have you ever played Simon Says? Maybe you have. Maybe maybe you know the history of Simon Says. You know Simon, he told things to do and people did it. That's the history of it. And then it became a game, right? Simon Says. A couple of years ago, we um, were playing the game, Simon Says, uh, for, a, for a point, for a purpose. And uh, it came down to two individuals left in the game. And uh, the, uh, the leader that was giving the instructions on what you're supposed to do, Simon says stand up, Simon says sit down, Simon says turn around, whatever, whatever the instructions were, uh, the, the moment where the game ended, the leader said, Simon says sit down in an orange chair. Well, both contestants sat down. One sat down in an orange chair and one sat down in a blue chair. And the one that sat down in the blue chair, obviously she lost, because Simon didn't say, sit down in a blue chair. Well, because it's student ministry and, and girls cry, um, she started tearing up, because she really wanted to win. We found out she's very, very competitive. And uh, she really wanted to win, and so I called her over, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, it's just Simon Says. 
Like you really didn't even win anything. I mean, you're, really it's just a prideful thing. And she says, yeah, but the problem is, is I'm colorblind. I thought I picked the orange chair, <laughs> but I'm colorblind. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if you're colorblind or not. I think you're lying to me. You just want to win. You know, anyways. I mean, you know, sometimes when we, when we play the game as kids, Simon says, there's some trickery that goes on. I mean, we, we, we're trying to make it where there's only one person left. And so we give these instructions and we're trying to trick you into thinking one way and you, you do something else. Or Simon says, stand up. Simon says, sit down. Stand up. And you stand up. And Simon didn't say, oh, Simon didn't say, stand up. You lose. We try and offer some trickery so we can dupe you into losing. Unfortunately, that bleeds over into our walk with Christ. We often see Christ as Simon giving us instructions, and we might have the mindset every now and then, this sounds like trickery. Like what you're asking me to do, is it really for your good and my good? It really seems like, Jesus, you're trying to trick me or dupe me into something that I really don't think is necessary for, for my life. Kids, children, students, whatever we want to call them. I mean, I, often this happens. You're going to preach to me Ephesians 6 1, and you're going to tell me that it's really important for me to obey my parents. But have you met them? <laughs> have you met my parents? Do you, do you understand what they're telling me to do? They want me to take the trash out. Have you smelled our trash? I mean, they want me to feed the animals. They want me to do these. They're telling me to do these chores. Do you really know my parents? Should I really owe, should I really obey them? I mean, really, I think my parents are just like Simon. They're just telling me what to do for the sake of lording it over me because they have, because they have power. And so then we grow up, right? And we become adults. And we say things like this, if you're from across the border that way. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Right? I mean, have you ever said that? And maybe you would have said it with better English because you come from a better state, you think. Um, but but you, you have this mentality of no one's going to tell me what to do. Like, I'm, a, I'm a grown adult. Like I know last week you told me that I'm going to submit to things. I mean, we study the Word and we say that we submit. And you think that I submit to the red light? All right? You think that I submit to the stop sign? But I just roll right through. I, don't, I submit to no one. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I mean, think just for a moment. Reflect for yourself. Maybe write it down. Uh, who is it that tries to tell you what to do and you say no? I mean, there's people throughout your life. There's probably people today that have told you something to do and you thought in your head, I'll smile and wave. I'll smile and nod. But I ain't doing what you told me to do. Some of you are doing that right now. <laughs> We just have that mentality. And so why would God put in Scripture this phrase, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right? Well, well, just like last week as we talked about that marriage is not just for your good and for your sake. Wives submitting to husbands and husbands loving their wife as Christ loved the church is not just for our own sake and our own good but for the glory of the Lord. Remember I told you last week that um, oh, um, J.D. Greer says that these relationships, the, the marriage relationship, the parent-child relationship, the work relationship here that Paul talks about, 
They work as laboratories to make us more like himself. So, so in these relationships, we get to become more like Christ. And so when we talk about submission, we understand submission to be something that needs to be grasped, needs to be held on to. As we submit our lives to someone, it's a reflection, like in a mirror, as we look in a mirror, it's a reflection of us submitting our lives to Christ and his unconditional sacrificial love. We learn that submission is, is highly important in the journey of Christianity. As we walk with Christ, as he's leading us, we have to submit to him. In fact, the, the Greek word really means, when you break it down, it means under arrange. So we're arranging ourselves in submission. We're arranging ourselves under something or someone. And the marriage relationship, this example that we've, these roles that we've been given says, I'm going to arrange myself in submission underneath unconditional sacrificial love so that I can be made spotless, without blemish, and showed as a holy, pure person. I'm arranging myself under someone else. And so, in what society do we see that well? We should, we as the ones who hold the truth, and we as the ones who have hope in Christ, should represent that well. We should be a great reflection of people who can live or arrange themselves under someone else's authority. Specifically under the authority of the Son of God. Under the authority of Christ. We arrange ourselves underneath Christ. And so when we get to obedience here, when Paul moves and he says, okay, let's talk about the next relationship. Let's talk about children obeying their parents. Arranging yourself under someone's authority is submission, but what about obedience? Well, in this case, it really means to underhear. It's the same Greek beginning, different ending, the Greek word here. Arranging ourselves under is submission, but underhearing is the Greek word that we're talking about here. Basically, that whoever you're under, you're listening, actively listening well. Parents, how many times have you said, grandparents, teachers, anyone who has children under their authority, how many times have you said, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? When I said that, I noticed one of my sons looked up. Are you listening to me? We say that often. I'm just going to throw this right out from the beginning here. I mean, the, the message hasn't even gone five minutes yet. I'm going to already throw you at the point. But do you not hear our Father in heaven saying, Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Well, why did you stray off? Why did you do all those things? You, you didn't listen, Father in heaven. Why are you doing those things? Listen to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So this relationship, the parent-child relationship, it's not about parents parenting their kids well. It's not about fathers doing their job necessarily. It's about obedience and listening to the father give directions. So, so children are placed in this great laboratory to learn how to be obedient to one that's above them. So they're hearing and in the perfect Christian society, in the perfect Christian family, you raise up children who are used to 
They're very familiar with listening and obeying. One who is demonstrating unconditional sacrificial love. They're familiar with it. So when the Father who created them says, Do you hear my voice? Are you listening to my voice? Will you obey my voice? Will you go to Brooklyn instead of Uganda? Will you go to southeastern New Mexico instead of north central with the mountains? Will you listen? Will you obey? So you become familiar with that. So we're not immature followers of Christ who are saying, whatever age we are, who are saying, well, Lord, I've been doing this and this and this and this, and the Lord would answer back, but are you listening to me? Well, I've been doing this and this and this and this, and it's not working out because you're not listening to me. We want to familiarize our kids, our immature believers, with what it's like to listen and to obey. I mean, there's, there's really nothing else to say. I could pray this morning and say, I'm going to put it back on you now. You've got to listen and obey. It's about obedience. I had a dog I read here one time that uh, Mandy was really frustrated with because the dog would not listen to her at all. I could tell the dog anything to do. I could tell Sandy, Sandy, do this, Sandy, do this, Sandy, do this. Used it in a children's sermon one time. She stood at the back of the, the, um, the uh, auditorium, sanctuary, worship center, whatever you call it, and uh, kids are up here on the front. We're talking, and I said, I have a dog who's very obedient. If you don't believe me, let me show you. Sandy, come here. Sandy walked down the aisle and sat, sat down beside me. I mean, how obedient is that? Okay, Sandy, I want you to go back out. Sandy walked out the aisle and went back, went back out. A very obedient dog. Never listened to Mandy. You know why? Mandy's not her master. That's just it. Mandy was not the one that was ruling over her. She chose. She said, this is who I'm obedient to. The one who sacrificially unconditionally loves me and gives me treats. (laughs) It's the same way with our relationship with Christ. Who is it that's ruling over us? And we get to show that and model that in our obedience and our trusting in the one that we're listening to. And I know that's very, very simple, but how often do we miss it? I mean, parents, grandparents, and I just spit all the way, sorry. Parents, grandparents, you, you see it, you know. You, you say, listen, listen, listen. And then when your children or grandchildren, when they make mistakes or great-grandchildren, you think, if they would have just listened to me, it would have been so much simpler. Okay, reflect on that for a moment. Think about your Heavenly Father. If He would just listen to me, things might have been so much simpler. I mean, even from the beginning. I know we go back to the beginning a lot, but even from the beginning... Adam and Eve, listen, here's the thing. Here's the contract I have with you. Do these things and do not eat from this. And Adam and Eve, thinking they know more and being deceived, decide to rebel. And they don't listen well to the Father. Oh, if you would have just listened to me, things would have been so much, so much simpler. So Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes something from the Old Testament. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So you're probably familiar with Exodus chapter 20, and there's um, about 10 of these commandments. I think we call them the Ten Commandments. You're familiar with them? And one of them is honor your father and mother. For doing this, you'll receive a blessing and get to stay in, in the land. Okay, so think for a moment here. Think culturally for a moment. Uh, in a society where men are elevated... Kids are, like my papa used to say, uh, to be seen and not heard. 
Alright, so in a, in a society, in this society, in Ephesians in the Old Testament, where men are elevated, uh, women are a lot less, and kids are a lot lower, unless you're a firstborn, then you're raised above. Uh, but in that society, when the Ten Commandments are given, they're given to the men to proclaim. Do these things. Here's how, we, here's how we're going to follow God. We're going to be God's chosen people. He's freed us from slavery. So we want to follow Him. We want to follow Him well. So listen to these commandments. These are the things that I want you to, to, be, to be doing or not doing. And one of them is to honor your father and your mother. So immediately, if you're a parent or grandparent or great-grandparent, your mind thinks to children, right? Okay, this is for the kids. If you're a husband and you read Ephesians 5, you think, oh, wives submit to husbands. Oh, this is for the wife. If you're a wife and you read husbands love your wives sacrificially, you think this is for the husband. But this is for the entire congregation. This is not to single out one or two people. This is for the whole congregation to hear. We're reading it all together. Not uh, Moses didn't look through the tent and say, okay, this one's just for kids. Okay, after we're done here, kids, we're going to kids' church, and I'm going to teach you the one thing that God has given to you. Honor your father and mother. No, he reads it, proclaims it to the entire congregation. Do you know why? I mean, Jesus at 33 years old, do you think he's thinking, honor your father and mother is for kids, or do you think he's thinking, honor your father and mother is for me also? And my heavenly father says, down the cross. My Heavenly Father says, submit to my will and do the things that I want you to do and sacrifice your life for these people. But if he was to disregard and said, that's for kids, <laughs> well, where would we be today? But he, said, he thought simply and said, I'm going to honor my Father. I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to listen as he speaks to me because that's, that's important. So he goes on to say in uh, verse 3, Right, verse 2 again. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That's the promise there. That it may go well with you and that you would live long in the land. Again, think back to your own life, adults. Think back to those moments where you, you thought, maybe you had a moment of regret and you said, man, if I would just listen to my mom or my dad, maybe I wouldn't be in this situation. Now, all moms and dads aren't aren't the best examples. In fact, we have kids who, are, who have parents who are unbelievers. We have adults who, who are raised by unbelievers. So that's difficult. It's a difficult scenario when we say, but I know best. Like, I'm following Christ, and I know best for my life. And these people that are supposed to be raising me, are they really steering me in the right direction? Well, let's see. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Here's a good example. Luke chapter 2. There's this guy, fully human, fully God, and his name is Jesus. And in verse 41, we catch up to the boy Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. You could, you could put your own stuff in here. Maybe think back to your own life, reflect for a little bit. Now his parents went to the Lee County Fair every year. Whatever you want to put in there. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast ended, verse 43, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. 12-year-old Jesus decides to stay behind. His family, including his mom and dad and cousins and aunts and uncles, they all leave Jerusalem, but he, he hangs back. 
Um, and this is what happened. I mean, he's like a typical 12-year-old, right? Not listening to his, his folks, right? Uh, his folks like, we're leaving, it's time to go. And 12-year-olds like can't be found, right? So um, so he, uh, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it because obviously they were great parents, trusted with God <laughs> to raise God, and yet they left him behind. All right, verse 44. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. So what, something happens at the moment, and they recognize our kid's not with us. You've had those moments maybe. Maybe you went to the mall or to the fair or something. You're like, uh, we're missing somebody. Who is it? Oh, yeah, it's one of our kids. Let's find them. Okay. And in their case, it's really embarrassing because they're like, hey, we're missing someone. Ah, it's the chosen one. You know, <laughs> Where is this Jesus? Okay. But supposing him to be with the group, they went and searched him. They asked all their acquaintances. So verse 45. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Obviously, he's not with us, so he must be back in Jerusalem. And after, I don't know if this is significant or not, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Okay, student ministry, we've had this scenario happen before. So you have the student who's desiring to grow in their relationship with Christ, but you have the parents who aren't necessarily desiring to grow in a relationship with Christ. And you have the child who's wanting to learn and teach me, oh wise one, I want to be your young Padawan and teach me everything there is to know about, about this religious life that we have. And then their parents come knocking on the youth room door. Or you get the text from the parents saying, where's my kid? Oh, they're here. Well, they're supposed to be here. And that's just what's happening. Typical student ministry parents here that I've dealt with before. And uh, so, so Jesus is in the temple. He's asking questions. He's wanting to grow. In verse 47, And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So there's more to this than what we're going to cover this morning. But notice at 12 years old, Jesus is amazing people. All right, verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, not astonished by his teaching, but his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? You know, typical parent response. Boy, I've been teaching you those Ten Commandments about honoring your father and your mother. What have you done to us? Why are you treating us this way? And completely, not like myself or my children, but completely innocent and pure Jesus is desiring to grow in his relationship with, with the Lord. Desiring to amaze people at what God has done and is doing in his life. And his mom and his dad don't see that. They see something else. And so this moment gets really, really um, tricky, we'll say. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And Joseph was like, I didn't build this. You know, I don't know what he's talking about, but this is not the house that I own. This, is, this house belongs to someone greater than myself. <laughs> this house, this temple, belongs to God. Well, what is this 12-year-old talking about? I mean, my papa would have said, boy, little boys are to be seen and not heard. Close your mouth. You're about to get... You know what? 
And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And I think a lot of 12-year-olds would say the same thing today. My mom and dad just don't get me. <laughs> right? I mean, I think a lot of kids would say, If Paul telling us to obey our parents, but my parents just don't get me. They don't understand me. They don't understand kids today. They don't get me. And that's where Jesus is at this moment. My parents just don't get me. Like these parents, I mean, I could see, like a typical teenager, if he was one, and I know he's only 12, so well, he's not technically a teenager, right? But in this moment, he, he would say, Lord, come on. I mean, Heavenly Father, Father, Abba, these are the ones you've given me as earthly parents? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Verse 5, I mean, verse 51. <laughs> And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I mean, it's this great moment where we see Christ, who is teaching and doing these amazing things, astonishing people, living with earthly parents, desiring to grow but still decides to be submissive and obedient to his earthly parents. Why? Why would, why would that be anything that we should study? Leave this out. It's confusing. It's confusing that God in flesh, being raised by fleshly impure parents, obviously he should be in his father's house. Why do we have this story? Because it gives us a picture of submission and it gives us a picture of obedience. Submission and obedience. I mean, that is the call of the disciple. That we would submit our lives to Christ and that we would follow him in obedience. Listening daily as the Father gives us instruction. Submitting our lives in obedience to the Father's instruction. What time is it? You guys getting hungry or you want to keep going? Turn to John chapter 8. This is where we ended last week. John chapter 8. I'll give you a few seconds to turn there. John chapter 8, we'll start in verse, kind of verse 31 when we get there. You know, Paul mentions children obey parents for it's right in the Lord. It's, it's the first commandment with a, a blessing. About fathers, he mentions, he says, your job is to instruct them and to discipline them but not in a way that would cause them to be angry or mad at, at you or the, or the followings of Christ, but instead in a way that is bringing them up like Christ was brought up in his home, increasing in wisdom and stature, increasing in the instruction of the Lord. Now think about in our, in our modeling of that, who do, we have to, who do we have to look at and say this is how it, that's done? What father do we have to look at to say this is what it looks like to be an unconditional loving, sacrificial loving Father who gives great discipline and instruction. Well, the only example is, is God. That's the only example that we can actually follow. Last week we mentioned this. Uh, John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Uh, so Jesus, uh, he says to the Jews, um, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Remember this? We talked about um, we're not really submissive to anyone because, because Christ has set us free, so why do we need to be submissive at all? And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say uh, you will become free? So they're confused. Like they know they're offspring of Abraham, and at the 
at the moment, contemporary moment, they're saying we, we've never really been enslaved to anyone. Since we've been, been alive, we haven't been slaves to anyone. I mean, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord, right? All right. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. He's throwing out these heavy theological things. Everyone is a slave to sin. You need to be a slave to righteousness. And the only way you can be a righteous person and no longer be a slave to sin is not by your inheritance or your genealogy in Abraham, but only through Jesus submitting your life to Christ. And like Paul would say in Ephesians 1, and becoming adopted and given inheritance in God's family through Jesus and no one or nothing else. And so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now they're still confused by it. They don't understand what they're talking about. So verse 39, we pick back up and they they answered him, Abraham is our father. Father Abraham. Remember him? He had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You You guys know that song by any chance? Father Abraham had many sons. Had many sons. Okay. And uh, it's kind of like Simon Says. Do you know that? Do you know that Simon Says and Father Abraham are a lot alike? Because Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm one of them so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. And then you start moving your right arm. And then we continue singing. Yeah, you guys can do that if you want. Sure. All right. So they answered him, and Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to him, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. It's pretty obvious. If you belong, if you're Rex and Mary's little son, Matt, you'd be doing the things that Rex and Mary taught you to do. And that's why I joke and say to my parents when they say, We can't believe you're going to move back to New Mexico. And I say, It's your fault. You taught me to submit my life to Christ and be obedient to him. It's your fault. Father Abraham, he had many sons, and he tells us what to do. And Jesus says, if Abraham is, is really your father, you'd be doing the works Abraham did. But now, verse 40, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual morality. We have one father, even God. So they're trying to determine here, like where is their commandments coming from? Who's the one that's giving them instruction? Because in this culture, they're very used to, they're very familiar with being given instruction and following those instructions. In fact, they're so used to it and so familiar with it, when someone wants to say, honor your father and listen to your father, you just did it. Because you were familiar, because you were trained up in listening to your father's voice. You were doing the works of your father. And they said to him, What are you talking about? We have one father, and even God, in verse 42, says this Jesus says this to them If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. And I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot. He- Bear to hear my word. And this is where it really gets heavy. In fact, Jesus is really trash-talking at the moment. He's talking garbage. He's about to religiously make these guys mad. And he says, You are of your father, the devil. 
And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of, which of one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe in me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. There's this whole moment of who's your daddy? Who are you listening to? Whose instructions are you following? Who are you submitting your life to and obeying? And Jesus says, it seems as if you're being obedient to the father of lies not the father of love. You're being obedient to the one who's full of sin and living your life according to that and not instead of the one who's full of righteousness and living your life according to him. And when we see in Ephesians 6, and, and Paul is trying to say, uh, these relationships are so much more important than just daily life. These relationships reflect who God is, reflect his character. Reflect the best things about him. And so marriages of those who believe in Christ should reflect unconditional sacrificial love and submission. And parenting and grandparenting and great-grandparenting that reflects Christ would be, and childrening that reflects Christ would be relationships that listen and obey because God is worthy of that. Thanks be to God that we're not like the animals. You know, the animals, the animal world, pick any of them. They're born, and they have to be ready for war almost immediately. They're born, and then minutes later, they're faced with a a terrible war that's around them. And so giraffes are born, and minutes later are ready for battle because of what's roaming around them. Thanks be to God that we're not that way. But instead he gives us parents who can guide us. Our families can work as laboratories to grow us in wisdom and stature. Can discipline us, can give us instruction on what Christ desires for our life. That can teach us this is what listening and obeying to the Father truly looks like. How do we do that in a broken world though? Or we do have children being born in families that almost minutes later the child is faced with war. And they have no hope, no Christ to hold on to, no discipline, no instruction in the way of the Lord. What do we do about that? Church, that's where we rise up. That's where we foster and adopt. Maybe not by the state standard, but we take in kids and we say, Let us train you in instruction. Let us train you in discipline. Let us train you in the love of the Father so that one day you can say, my Father is not the Father of lies. My Father is the Father of life. My Father is the Father of love, of hope, of peace, of patience, of self-control, of gentleness. That's who my Father is. And I decide to follow Him and listen and obey Him more than anything else in this world.
Children obey parents is much more than just a 12-year-old listening to his parents or a 5-year-old listening to his parents. Children obey parents is about us being formed and growing in maturity so that when the Father cries out to us and says things, we listen to his voice and we obey it. And we submit our lives to his Son and say, you have adopted us, you have given us life, God, you are our Father. You've given us permission to call you Abba, Daddy. And so because of that, we submit to you and live in obedience to you. Father Abraham had many sons, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Let's do what God has created us to do and follow him. Let me pray for you. God, help us to respond to you in obedience at this moment. God, help us to hear your voice. Help us to make time this week where we study your word, where we respond to you and listen to you. God, help us to maybe even constantly in our prayers be asking you, God, speak clearly to us so that I know how to reflect your goodness, how I know know to demonstrate your glory to the world. God, I am so thankful that You didn't just leave us on our own, but instead you gave us the great example of giving up yourself for us, standing in our place, taking our place, letting all wrath, your wrath be poured out into your son instead of myself or anyone else in this world. But I do thank you that, um, that your son gives us such a great example when he says, your will be done. And he desires to honor his father instead of himself. So God, help us to be people today who respond faithfully to you because you are a good father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Invitation basically is this. We sing a song together. The song is a, a song titled, There's a Stirring, basically about us listening to the, to the father speaking to us. And uh invitation is you responding, saying, God, I hear what you're saying to me and I want to respond. If you need help in that, I'd love to chat with you about that or pray with you about that. But let's sing together and let's honor God by our response. There's a stirring deep within me. Could it be my time has come? When I'll see my gracious Savior Face to face when all is done Is that His voice I am hearing? Come away my precious one Is He calling me? Is he calling me? I will rise up, rise up, then bow down and lay my crown at his wounded feet. There's 
There's a stirring deep within me.